Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. I met today's guest through a mutual friend. Uh, She also happens to be an exercise professional, but what's really cool is the fact that she is a physical therapist herself. And knowing this, I've been meaning to meet her probably for the past 18 months. And she was kind enough to share her knowledge with us today. So on today's episode, I have Kimberly Ramage, who is a physical therapist and exercise specialist. Kimberly, how are you doing this morning? I am doing great. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Ah, I am I am so pumped for you to be here because there's so much knowledge that you have that I'm so excited for you to share with the listeners. So for people who may not have heard your name before, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what the journey, what your journey has been like from, say, like being a physical therapist and then transitioning uh, into the exercise field? So... Um... Let's go back to high school. I start, you know, I was an athlete and I thought, what do I want to do with, you know, I thought maybe being an athletic trainer, but then um, people, I just loved helping people. And I got hooked from my athletic trainer on physical therapy. And so, boom, I mean, I did not change course. I was headstrong and I saw that I could help all varieties of people from elderly to athletes to kids. And I just thought this is awesome. And so I have about 20 years of experience now as a physical therapist. And most of my background is in outpatient clinic and actually pediatrics. I did a lot of, I've done a lot of kids work because they are fun. They are super fun. It's just play. (laughs) And so I've done, um, but a lot of outpatient and orthopedic too. And since um, the last couple of years, I've stepped away from actively in the clinic to um, bypass insurance, <laughs> the mess of all of that, and a little more freedom with my family because I have um, raising boys and a-, a husband and I wanted to be around more. And so I really am helping people be fit and healthy and really targeting a lot of women in the process of that um, just because I can speak to that so much better. And so I have a fitness channel because I wanted to make sure people could get fit and not feel like they have to go to the gym or they don't have time. I was like, you can always have time to be fit. So let me give you some free videos to have that as an option. And then of course, I'm always showing modifications and even answering questions on my YouTube channel when people have questions. So it's awesome. And then I do coaching where I help with fitness, but I also help with nutrition. I'm a nutrition coach too. And really all of the health benefits of looking at healthy habits like your sleep and your stress, because all of that is part of being a healthy person, whether you have back pain or not, those are all going to be keys to um, being a healthy individual. For sure. 
being able to manage pain or being the absence of pain is definitely a, a large cornerstone to being a healthy person. And mm-hmm. in itself is a very normal process. It's not something uh, to live completely uh, absent of pain actually can be a little dangerous because it can actually put us in very dangerous scenarios. And those pain signals is actually a good way to protect us from danger. So one thing that I loved when you were telling me about what you do was creating an environment for people to feel safe and understand that they can exercise without having to go into a gym. I think that's one of the biggest barriers. And as we are approaching January 1st, which is about three to four weeks away, people are starting to think, man, I'm about to start to join a gym. But that thought can actually be very, very, uh, it can be a huge barrier. Uh, to getting started can be very intimidating, but let's take another step back or a little bit of a deeper dive into exercise itself. I think a lot of people think exercise and a bunch of different definitions with your background and what you do for people. What is your definition of exercise? So I would say exercise is a physical activity that is purposeful and structured designed to really be maintain or gain physical fitness and physical fitness has a lot of attributes. So sometimes we just think of the cardio or the strength, but it's also the flexibility and the balance and, you know, uh, coordination and power. All of those are parts of our fitness. So all of that is encompassed into our exercise program and being healthy. I'm going to ask you a question that wasn't in the the preset questions, but I think you brought up a very interesting point about the concept of fitness. Fitness itself, uh, if you look at the CrossFit world, CrossFit actually has its own definition of fitness, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would your definition? You kind of briefly talked about it, but if you hear the word fitness for you, or people come to you saying like, "I want to improve my fitness," what does that look like? That looks like a range of um, strength, mobility, balance, and power. It um, and, and and then heart function, right, with your cardio and the different aspects of that. That all encompasses that because I'm really focused on making sure we age appropriately. And you know, you get to things like balance. It's a use it or lose it system. And if we don't practice it, like these kids are awesome in the gym, jungle gyms because they're always on it. We as adults um, sit down to put our socks on instead of really practicing balance. I focus a lot on those type of activities because that's part of being healthy as we age, decreasing that risk of injury, decreasing that risk of you know falling. And so I want to make sure we're looking at all aspects of fitness, not just the strength, not just the cardio, but also the entire aspects of that fitness. I love that definition. Um my definition is very simple, but it kind of falls in line. But my definition of fitness is just being able to do anything that you want um, physically. Um, and I think that for what you said, being able to time strength, balance, the cardiovascular aspect, there's many different components to fitness. So I love that mm-hmm. definition. And I had to ask you that question because you brought up the concept of fitness. And I think a lot of people have some uh, mixed views uh, or opinions on fitness. You have some people who are like, yeah, fitness, that means that you're going to be so physically fit and strong uh, and do all these different things um, like lift weights. Um, and that's great. There's some people who just want to, who want to lift weights and they want to be strong. They want to lift four or 500 pounds. 
but then there's other people who say, yeah, I want to be strong, but I don't necessarily want to or have to lift 500 pounds. Is there another way for me to improve it? So being able to have that general term and say fitness is encompassing, uh, I think is really, really great. And I'm saying the word really a lot this episode. So I'm going to say that word a lot less for the remainder of today. But let's talk about the the importance of of exercise. So exercise is a way to improve fitness, but why is it so important for us humans to exercise? Oh man, that's, there is so many benefits. It's crazy. And more than what we generally think about. So obviously it's going to help our general health, right? So as we improve, as we age, it's going to be so many general parts to it, but it's going to obviously help with weight management. Well, weight management is also going to help then with less back pain and less chances of having some of those back injuries because we're not carrying around as much weight. It's going to help us have stronger bones and muscles. That's important for our structure and nice, good posturing. Again, helping with any of our back issues. We're going to have a stronger force to be able to stabilize correctly and move. We're going to have um, improved sleep so that we can recover better. That's important when no matter what, it, you know, aging wise, um, healing, if you have injury, it's all important. So that's going to help us with our sleep. It's going to help boost our energy and our mood. And when we exercise, right, we're going to increase that serotonin. It's going to decrease some of those um, pain pathways. So it's going to be some real nice um, shifts that help us with that. It's going to increase our cognitive ability and just that mind-body connection so that we're coordinating more better and we're going to have less risk of fall. We're going to be um, moving better. And that's going to help, again, either reduce the chance of having a back injury or helping our improve our back. Um, it's going to decrease our cortisol response. So our stress isn't going to be as high. That is huge on, you know, when we have a high stress level, then it inhibits our recovery. So that's very, very important in injury or just in regular health. So that's going to help lower that part of it. And then it's just going to help things like, you know, right, reduce the risk of falls, reduce the risk of injury or re-injury and, and just decrease sick days. My goodness, that in itself, right? When we're sick and we're laying in bed for days, talk about back issues. This is going to help with that. So such a variety and just aging well. So there's so many benefits. That's why I love it. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the sciatica protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. Now, having an on-demand physical therapist can cost thousands plus hours of sessions. But with the sciatica protocol, you'll receive the same, if not better, customized care completely free. And why are we making this program free? Because I believe that everyone deserves to live free from pain without actually having cause to be the biggest obstacle. It is simple to start and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. I love fitness. I love exercise as well due to many of the benefits that you just listed. And I 
over the probably the past seven, eight years, one of the big things that I was trying to figure out, in addition to improving my clinical skills, is being able to understand why do we exercise in the first place? Or like, why is exercise a thing? And I think that there's a book that just came out probably within the past year or so talking about how uh, civilization evolved into doing exercise. Because if we look and I just did a quick Google search earlier um, this morning, but it was like, when did exercise begin? When did exercise become a thing? And uh, one article said it originated all the way back to 600 BC. It was a form of training to be physically fit, to be in battle or mostly to be in battle, to make sure that you were able to protect yourself. And uh, it got me thinking the fact that back in 600 BC, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, we didn't have desks. We didn't have technology. We had all, like, we were, we were human beings who were just trying to survive the elements. And I created this interesting classification and um, I'm going to share and, and you may or may not disagree, but I, I, I feel like I should share it with the world, but say thousands and thousands of years ago, uh, humans had to be physically fit so that they could just survive the elements. They had to make sure that they got protected by those giant saber-toothed tigers, those other predators that were out in the world. They also needed to be physically fit to survive the uh, the harsh elements without the layers of cushy clothing that we have. Right now, I'm in Northern California. It's like 37 degrees. My heat is on. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, sweatpants, and socks, and I'm doing everything I can to stay warm. But back in the day, you didn't have that. So you had to be able to be physically active. And so the daily activities that you did were all focused on moving, right? And then we transitioned um, from just like just surviving the elements, the transition from that was like man versus nature, just to survive nature. Mm -hmm. And then the next iteration was uh, man versus man. That's where we started having human struggles, wars. And so that's where exercise became more focused on making sure that you could conquer another civilization or, or, or something like that, or another person to win battles. And that's where exercise lifting, martial arts, combat training was really key to make sure that you were able to conquer another human. And then what I found to be really interesting was that as we got into say like the 1800s, probably closer to the 1900s, as things started to become a little bit easier from a physical labor standpoint, um, there was this large focus on uh, vanity, being able to be physically fit so you can attract uh, another another mate so that you can procreate and build a family. I mean, uh, definitely physical attractiveness is just one component to building a relationship and building a family, but you have that. So it's kind of like- The starting point. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that <laughs> got me thinking, okay, so it's mankind and its quest to uh, prolong that their legacy, right? Being able to build a family that way. You have to be physically fit and healthy to not only attract a, a mate, but also to be able to physically carry uh, children as well, because that in itself, I can't carry children, uh, but you mothers can, and you have to be, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle, right? And then now we kind of transition where because technology has evolved so much and work and we're not as active, we don't have to worry about Fight, fighting the elements. We don't have to worry about trying to uh, struggle against another human being. Um, and um, with the amazing access to technology, we've been able to find mates across the world and it's been bringing people together, which I think is fantastic. So now we're in this next phase, which is going to be man mankind versus our health, because now we're mm -hmm. having, we're sitting down, we're not as active as you 
usual, our work is stressing us out. So we do, so we get these physiological stresses and we need to have this opportunity to be able to, to get moving. And also even just being stuck in static positions can lead to, uh, to, to prolonged risk of injuries and everything like that. So I thought I had to share. Thank you, Kim, for, for, for listening to that. But yeah, that, I've, I've noticed that huge evolution um, in, in mankind's or our culture, the society's view of exercise. Um, I think it's yeah. been a huge shift too. just in like, like I look at my grandparents and great grandparents, you know, they were working the fields, they were constantly out, you know, plowing and moving. And now we're doing so much of us are just doing the sitting or very, very low movement. And it is like, I love technology, but there are been a lot of issues. I mean, we saw it in the pediatric kids are not playing as much and we're having a lot of issues because of that. And we see it in the adults where we're having more injuries and we're having more health issues because we are not moving. And so it's like technology has been great, but we have to learn to balance. And I think we're starting to swing back of like, okay, I'm realizing, you know, we got all stuck in it. And now that people are starting to see like, this is not healthy. We've got to make some shifts and we've got to be purposeful and thinking about it because it's not as natural because it's not like I have to go tend to my garden to yeah. have my food. I can go to the grocery store, but I've got to figure out some purposeful times to move. Hundred percent, and uh, I noticed it actually. It was a, it, I uh, I used to live in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, and that's actually where I had my uh, brick and mortar physical therapy clinic, but also my own fitness facility. And uh, I lived in the gym, and so it was actually really easy for me to get purposeful movement because it was my job that that was part of it. But I noticed people were having long commutes, and by the time they got home, they're exhausted, and they're like, "I don't want to exercise." And now I'm not a gym owner anymore, and I live out in the West Coast, and I'm thinking, yeah, it is really hard to get the the motivation to go to the gym and work out. But one of the things I was really able to appreciate living out here is the the sheer awesomeness of the, the great outdoors. And so I might not necessarily lift weights as heavy as I used to. I might not work out, work out as much as I used to, but I'm at least four to five times a week. I'm outside, I'm walking, enjoying the great outdoors. And that in itself was really something that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do if I lived down the East coast and didn't have my gym. So it was a very interesting observation. So, mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about, okay. So we know that exercise is important. There's a lot of benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, earlier before we started recording, we were talking about how can we break down the different types of exercise and how can that actually be uh, helpful for people who are experiencing sciatica pain. And we broke it down into three different stages, right? We have the, the acute stage, which is new onset of sciatica pain or back pain or leg pain. Uh, and that kind of lasts around the first 12 weeks. So that's the acute stage. We then all have the second stage when we pass 12 weeks is going to be the, the chronic stage. And then mm -hmm. the third stage, which I know that many of you listeners want to be in is I'm out of the pain phase and now I can live my life. So let's talk about some exercise considerations, modifications, things that people who are experiencing acute sciatica and they're like, I, I just need to move just knowing the benefits of exercise. So there's a lot of different types of exercise, right? Um, let's go over just a few of those types and then let's figure out where they fit for the different people and the different stages. So let's start with cardio. Okay. So that's your metabolic conditioning and there's two different kinds of cardio. There's aerobic and anaerobic. 
So that aerobic is going to be that long endurance. So those are your your runs and your walks, anything that's going to take a longer di- distance. And it's going to be a little bit, you're going to get that heart rate elevated. It's not going to be super high. So it's going to be elevated. It's going to get that blood flow going. It's going to help you with cognitive and really moving through that. This is a great thing to age. Okay. You can do this very easily. You can go for a walk. It's just a little bit of elevation is going to get that blood flow going there. You know, of course it can be also a marathon run, but that's not where you're going to be if you're in acute phase, but it can be when you're in a healing phase. So this is an important part. It's a health um, function for your heart. It's very powerful and it's a real great mood booster and can kind of fit into all the different three phases. So I really do like aerobic um, conditioning anaerobic means it's going to be really short. And so we're not now going to use oxygen to fuel us. We're going to use glucose um, to fuel us because it's going to be real short for us. So these are like sprints. These are those hit trainings that you see maybe where it's like high intensity, those Tabatas, like real burst, real short rest, real burst, real short rest. And it's not very long. These are really, really powerful but they're very challenging to do if you're in an acute phase and even depending on where you are on your chronic, but you can also do this a little bit in some interval training with walking, like speeding up the walking and slowing it down. It just helps kind of change that system so that you're a healthy individual. So if you've only done the aerobic, you'll notice when you run up the stairs, you'll go, oh my gosh, I just about died because you haven't learned how to do that anaerobic. So we need both systems to be a real functioning adult. It's just then fitting in where we are in our phase. So making sure that we know like there are different options, there's different things I can do. And now I just need to pick depending on where I'm at in my actions. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I love the concept. Let's yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're going to be able to talk forever Kimberly, I just want to say, I probably want to have you on another episode, especially if we run out of time today. But the the aspect of cardio, um, as Kimberly said, we have the aerobic and anaerobic. And so um, it's really going to also be a matter of intensity. And that in itself, mm-hmm. um, when you're in the acute stage of your injury or your pain, there's going to be some inflammation. There's going to be some inflammation. And that's why a lot of doctors will often prescribe some sort of anti-inflammatory. And that, that in itself is going to be a conversation between you and your doctor. But what's really cool about cardio and something, say, like an aerobic activity. And to be clear, aerobic activities would be like walking, uh, a slight jog, riding a bike, like things that can get your mm-hmm. heart rate up. I think what a lot of people kind of mistake um, aerobic cardio as, or, or anaerobic stuff. When they talk about the intervals, they, they, they see like say CrossFit on YouTube where they see people like do crazy burpees and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, my body can't do this. Um, but I think, uh, a really great mode of, of, of cardio is walking, biking, um, something that's actually going to be relatively easy on the joint. And I'm reading this book right now by Stuart McGill, um, who is one of the leading researchers in this, the low back specifically, and I came across one of the segments in his book that actually talked about how fast walking actually reduces the amount of load on the spine compared to mm-hmm. slower walking, which is so fascinating. I, I thought that was a very interesting thing. And I thought I should share it with, with you all. And what's and really so cool. They can, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. They can pick that mode, whatever they yes. like. I, I'm all about like, pick what works for you and what you enjoy, because that's what's going to make you show up again tomorrow. 
And then you can add that anaerobic in that same activity. You can do a stationary bike and do a few sprints, do a little bit faster and then do some rest break, do a little bit faster, do some rest break, 20 seconds of going a little bit faster and then resting or walking. And so you can add both of those elements in the same modality. So you didn't have to do anything different. It's just how you attack it. And so that's what I'm reason, you know, and I'm just really big about picking what you enjoy because that's going to be what helps you do it again tomorrow. (laughs) For sure. I I love that. And the really cool thing is like when you're doing something aerobic um, and of these modes, walking, biking, um, even just like walking up and down the stairs, when you're moving at a relatively low intensity, but you're doing for a long period of time, it actually will improve blood flow, improve the elasticity of your soft tissues, which includes your muscles, but also it will improve the blood flow to your joints. So your joints will move a little bit better as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I love the fact that you recommended 20 seconds of like a sprint with a little bit of rest in between for the anaerobic stuff. Cause I think a lot of people think, all right, well, I need to go high intensity. What, what is that time domain? How long should I be going for? And so being able to say 20 seconds is a great indicator uh, for that. I, I do really love those Tabatas. I just have a Tabata timer on my on my an app and it's just 20 seconds of work, 10 seconds of rest. You can pick four or six or eight reps of that. Done, done. That's it. Yeah. And, um, and it can be a great tool when you're short on time to really get some powerful, um, it, it is very powerful for that heart and it will translate to that longer endurance. The longer won't it translate to the shorter, but the shorter will translate to the longer. So you, even if you have a short amount of time, you're going to get value behind that. And it didn't, like I said, you don't even need a lot of equipment. Go out, do a fast walk, do it that way. It, it can make it work. So, um, and with you said that, that increased blood flow, right? That's and, and moving those joints through those systems, that's going to help, but also just boosting up that serotonin to inhibit some of those pain pathways is going to help you um, feel better also. It's huge. So cardio, cardio is good. Thumbs up. And what you'll probably see is actually um, a bunch of other podcasts will actually talk about this uh, you'll hear, um, amongst other podcasts, this concept of like zone two training, which is that anaerobic where you're not getting your heart rate super high. You're getting it maybe uh, a little bit higher than conversational pace, but you're able to sustain that for a long period of time. So cardio is great. What's another form of exercise that, um, that we can incorporate. Okay. So let's talk about strength again. We're going to break that down into let's, let's just break it down into two, two sections. Okay. So you're going to have muscle endurance and you're going to have more strength. Muscle endurance is going to be where you are working, um, for a longer period of time, more reps, um, lower weight or body weight. And a lot of times you're going to get your heart rate up there because of that. And so this can be body weight exercises of just doing some squats. It can be, um, using light weights, maybe doing some shoulder rehab, maybe doing some of the, um, some glute work to help strengthen for your, your low back, those type of activities, right? It doesn't have to be, it's more of the higher reps and you're strengthening it in an endurance and your body needs that for like, it's great for posture. Posture needs endurance activities until you're strengthening it in more of that endurance mode. 
And so this can be done at any of those three levels too. It's just going to be modified and looked a little bit differently. So maybe it's just with body weight and you're going through and you're doing something like a squat that's just in a shorter range. And as you feel better and it's less acute, you can do a deeper squat. It's still body weight or it's very, very lightweight where you're doing a lot of reps just to um, not be taxing the system quite the same and, and really focusing on form and letting your body really understand its movement and its stability. And so I, I really like that. And then the other one is strength. And that's where we're really going to get that heavy weight. We're going to have um, less reps. And this is really going to see where, you know, you're really going to see some physiological differences in your muscles. This is the one that most people get scared about. This isn't the one you do when you're in acute phase, but it is something you do after you start having that healing, because that's part of strengthening those muscles to a different level and strengthening those bones, especially like here I am as a woman, I need strong bones. That's a big factor. And so this is a powerful move. And when we learn in that endurance, um, the muscle endurance, right? We're learning great form. Now we're just going to add heavier weight. So we know the form and we're going to add this heavier weight and tax that system. And when we tax it that much too, our body goes, oh my gosh, I need every single muscle. I'm going to burn fat rather than muscle because I'm realizing you need everything you've got. This is very powerful in helping maintain body weight and really lean you down, which again is going to help with that back issue. So those are kind of the two breakdowns, I would say, for um, strength. Very, very important. If we're going to maintain good posture and we're going to move through our day functionally, we've got to be strong and it's going to help us age better and it's going to help reduce injury again. I love the fact that you broke strength up into the two different components, um, the the muscular endurance and the strength itself. Um, I often say uh the muscle endurance i often comment when i work with my clients i say this is what we call movement competency can you actually mm -hmm. move within the range of motion i think what a lot of people think when it comes to strength that they have to lift those heavy weights but really as you said taking yourself through the full range of motion if we're talking about squatting being able to say all right what are my hips capable of and really it helps what I find with strength endurance and even just strength in general, it helps you become even more in tune with your body to help it really move more mechanically efficient. And mm -hmm. I find that when we are moving inefficiently, when we're, when our bodies are using strategies that shouldn't be happening, like if we're trying to squat and we're doing a lot of movement on our back, yeah, our backs are going to get a little cranky and it's going to be tough. And I love the fact that you talked about how movement and uh, strength endurance or muscle endurance is actually really good for the uh, the the acute phase. That's where we're having a lot of that, uh, again, inflammation, the pain that happens, but there's also going to be a lot of muscle guarding listeners. And when there's a lot of muscle guarding, your body is creating this protective mechanism to prevent any sort of excessive motion because the body is in fact in pain and it's scared. And one of the really cool things about movement competency, muscular endurance is that going through these motions in a, in a pain-free way will actually reduce your muscles ability or need to guard, which then actually opens up a world of possibilities when it comes to the exercises and will facilitate healing. And then before you know it, as you are recovering and getting more confident in how your body moves, we can then start adding the intensity, building up that muscle and making sure it never comes back. Absolutely.
And so many, I know, like just even women with or without back pain, you know, weights, that sounds scary, weight training. And it's so powerful. And, 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 and we saw that a lot in the clinic. People were like, oh, I don't weight train. I've got a back issue. Like, oh, guess what? This is actually going to be good. So it doesn't always have to be that you look like the Olympic lifter, right? You see it on TV and you're thinking, I'm not doing that. Or like you said, the CrossFit games, it doesn't have to look like that. That's They didn't start there. They didn't start there. <laughs> yeah. And there's a starting point for everyone. But also, um, everyone has a specific goal. If you want to be able to mm-hmm. just be physically fit so you can go on a hike, then that's totally okay. That's totally awesome. Actually, you have to make sure that your legs are strong enough to be able to make yourself walk uphill, but also you have Mm -hmm. to have that balance. You have to have that coordination to be able to step over a rock or two, or as many as you come across when you're doing something as simple as a hike. And so strength is really beneficial. Um, Let's talk about, um, Let's talk about uh, another form of exercise. So we have cardio, we have strength. What's another form? We'll, we'll, okay. do, we'll do one last one. Okay. So let's let's just, I, I have two more, but let's put them together because they're going to be kind of similar. Sounds great. We got mobility and we'll do kinesthetic. Okay. So mobility is going to be that big umbrella. It's going to have stretching and mobility. So stretching is going to be, you know, we're really that passive range of motion. You're not using any um, muscle strength to do this motion. And so you want to make sure you're stretching and getting those joints and those muscles flexible, but you also want to make sure you're staying mobile. Mobile is going to add that muscle strength in there in that. So it's more of that active range of motion. And we need both of those to be healthy. And so when we're in a back issue, we're going to work on making sure we have some flexibility in like our hamstrings and our hips, but then we're also going to make sure we have some mobility where we are able to be strong enough in through those motions to maintain it and to function correctly with it. So it, it, also works a little bit, you know, with the strength training, but it, it is separate. And so, and it's a part of fitness that a lot of people kind of bypass. They just think like, yeah, and that's the risk of injury. A lot of times we got ourselves in this place because we weren't focusing enough on our mobility. I mean, how many times when that back patient comes in, are we checking that hamstrings, you know, length, right? It's, it's a big issue. So really making sure we're valuing that in acute phase, in chronic phase, and making sure we don't re-injure by maintaining that mobility whether that's through flexibility and mobility, that, that umbrella. And then kinesthetic is going to be that part where we're looking at all of our balance and coordination. So I love doing a lot of um, single-legged, single-sided activities because we're learning to coordinate and stabilize because there's a lot of times in our activities we're on one leg or we're reaching and we need to have that balance there. And if we use it or we lose it. And so we've got to practice that and we've got to learn how to stabilize through that. And we've got to make sure, you know, that's all part of having that healthy back and looking at that. So those are all parts of exercise. And um, that, like I said, a lot of us kind of bypass and just think like, oh, I didn't go out for a run when, you know, yoga, some of these things are great tools for us. 
they are fantastic tools. And so one comment about mobility, and I'm 100% in agreement with what you have. I think a lot of people think like, well, if I have tight hamstrings, like the tight hamstrings is going to lead to back pain or sciatica. And I think one of the interesting things is I think it can predispose people, but what ends up happening, and here's an example, if your hamstrings are really tight and you are trying to bend forward and touch your toes or doing some other activity that actually truly requires hamstring flexibility, say even squatting. What's really interesting is that when you see these exercise videos and see all this stuff, people will have very, like people will be stiff and inflexible, but they want to go through the full range. And so as they try to go through the full range, if they have tight hamstrings and they're trying to do something like a squat or even something like a deadlift, if they don't have that available range of motion, they're going to be making up all that lost range of motion in the back itself. And so what this flexibility and mobility will do is give you the opportunity to actually move within the joints that are built to move. Say, for example, your hip joints and your hamstrings and your posterior chain, and also minimize the opportunities of movement in areas that aren't necessarily designed and built to be moving as much as possible. Um, such Absolutely. As, yeah. So that, that was a, that was a good point. I always remind people if it's not moving, then someone else, something else has to move more. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. They, they, pretty much the human the movement's going to come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the human body and the human mind, it's like, we're, we're going to get the job done no matter, no matter what. Right. And so it's yeah. like, we can either do it efficiently, do, do it right, or we can do it inefficiently and do it too many times to the point where our body says we've had enough. Which then brings right. us in the aspect of kinesthetic awareness, which I love the fact that you brought up because balance and coordination is really key. And I think that's where a lot of people really miss out. They're like, oh my gosh, well, I'm so stinking strong. I can squat 300 pounds, but my back is killing me. And it's like, do I need to strengthen my back more? It's like, well, you're holding 300 pounds on your back. Your back's probably plenty strong, but is there some sort of thing or part of your body or how you move that isn't working efficiently? Like, so that's where we have to be able to say, all right, well, if it's not moving in one area, it's going to move moving somewhere else. But then also if we are not coordinating and not trying to balance all that extra muscle contractions is going to be placed somewhere else that it doesn't necessarily need where it's the, the wrong job. It's kind of like when, um, it's like when muscles or like an employee gets the wrong job to do and they get the wrong job and it's truly not their job, but they're a team player. And then they try to get the project done, but it's not in their job description. They don't have the expertise. What ends up happening is that the project falls falls apart and then we're, we're short a person or we're behind on an issue. So making sure that everything is doing the right things. And that's what coordination is, being able to truly coordinate, make sure that the muscles and everything is in fact moving the way that they should. Um, oh, this is, this is really great stuff. Uh, Kimberly, I'm, I'm really so thankful that you're sharing this with, with, with us. So, um, so we have these, we have cardio, we have strength, we have mobility and we have kinesthetic awareness. So, uh, we talked about it briefly, but let's talk about the stages of recovery and some considerations that people should take into account when exercising, getting into exercise. So someone's come in and they're like, oh my gosh, my, my sciatica pain is really flared up, but I know movement and exercise is really helpful, but I really don't know where to start. How do I, how can I get involved? Especially people who are in the, the, the onset of pain to 12 weeks, what are we looking at? So you want to make sure, um, there's a lot of factors starting beforehand too, right? So what are you coming in with? So 
when I would see back patients, right? Are you coming in as a professional athlete who is very, very keen on understanding your body? And so what I can direct you to versus I have never exercised in my life. I don't understand anything, right? So you've got that already in the play. So where are you? Are you a novice or are you an expert? So that's going to start to play a little bit of what you can do. And then just really thinking through the pain and kind of letting that be a little bit of that indicator when you're in that cute phase. Okay. So when I'm working with someone and they're cringing on their face, I'm like, okay, that's not good. That's not what we want. (laughs) Don't let your face cringe. So we've got to find some movement. So it's going to be real gentle to start with. You know, it's going to be some gentle walking. It's going to make sure that we are moving, maybe not a lot at one time, but throughout the day to help reduce that. So it doesn't always have to be, okay, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing this one set of action, but it's more of like, you know what, I'm going to break this up and I'm going to do 10 minutes of walking before in the morning before I go to work. I'm going to do 10 minutes of walking at my break. I'm going to do 10 minutes at lunch moving. Oh my goodness. That's huge. And it's still exercise, right? We're still getting, we get stuck in thinking it's got to be this 30 minute block when it doesn't, especially when we're in this acute phase. So really thinking through what can I do, but also it doesn't have to be all done at the same time. And actually in that acute phase is probably more valuable if we don't do it all at the same time. So those are type of things, thinking about some mobility, really moving through those movements and, um, either working with a physical therapist, working with, um, you know, someone who knows something that's a great tool, Um, But otherwise, just making sure you're kind of paying attention to what feels good and gives you some relief because you'll find a lot of my patients would go out and do like, you know, actually, I felt better after my 10 minute walk. And it's not long enough where it irritates it, but it's short enough that it got the blood flow going. It got their serotonin levels up and it made them move and not get so stiff. Great part in the acute phase. I love that. I, um, I, I wrote in bold letters on my notes. I was like, when you, when you talked about the, the cringe face, the, 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 the <laughs> grimacing face, I, I just thought it was so funny because, um, not funny. It's being in pain. It's not funny, but it no. got me thinking because when I'm working with some clients, sometimes they'll grimace and the grimace is actually them trying to figure out what they're feeling. And so I yeah. laugh because what I'll often ask when I see someone grimace, I'll say, is that a grimace of pain or is that a grimace of you trying to figure out what you're dealing with? And <laughs> yeah. I just, um, and it's funny because both my, I, myself and my clients laugh when I say that, but it's true to be able to see that you have to listen to your body and identify mm-hmm. what are these triggers that are actually increasing your pain. Um, I also love the fact that you brought up the concept. It's important for you to identify where who you are as as, a, as an exerciser, as a human being. Are you a professional athlete or are you someone who's never exercised before? Because those starting off points will be very different, which is in essence, not only identifying your baseline and who you are, but it also will dictate your goals in regards to what you want to be able to accomplish once you are out of this pain cycle. And I mm-hmm. love the fact that you said, let's break down, let's break down the length of time of activity. Uh, let's possibly increase the frequency of what you're doing. So instead of walking one 30 minute bout, you're doing three 10 minute bouts throughout the day. And this got me thinking that the acute stage of pain is obviously one, we want to be able to protect the body. We want to minimize pain. But as you are exercising or getting into an exercise, this is a period of discovery. This is a period of you trying to figure out what can you do? What are you capable of? And how can we 
uh, assess our limits so we can figure out what are the best options for us from an exercise, a stretching or mobility standpoint. So um, that's great. Yeah, the, the I think it's important because, yeah, there are multiple stages of pain. And I think what a lot of people feel is when they're experiencing these bouts of irritation that they're going to live in this stage forever. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that more often than not, we're going to be able to transition just from a time perspective out of these stages, which then transitions to when you're living in a, uh, when you're living with pain and you've been experiencing this for longer than 12 months, I uh, sorry, 12 weeks, you are now in the chronic stage. Um, now I just want to make note that there's something called the subacute stage, which is, um, it's at around the eight week mark, but once you're at 12 weeks, we have reached the chronic stage. Um, and a lot of the tissues that need to be healed are in the process of healing. If not, there's a large percentage of healing. If you look at any sort of tissue healing rubric from bone to soft tissue, it takes about 12 weeks for things to be truly healed. It might be a little bit longer if you're a little bit older, say with every decade in life, but it also might be a little bit shorter, uh, the younger you are. So those are things to consider. But when we are in the chronic stage and things are healing a little bit more, but pain is still there. What is your advice? What are some things to consider from an exercise standpoint at that stage of recovery? So again, you're still going to look at, you know, pain being a part of their indicator and, and kind of looking at that, but you're just kind of going to start slowly advancing what you've already built on. So again, depending on who you are, right? So if you're just, we're doing those 10 minute walks, you're pushing that a little bit low, um, more and you're because your body's got to get used to that it's got to strengthen up into that to get you back to functioning level okay so you've got to start strip pushing that a little bit more and then you could add like what we talked about some anaerobic pieces to that where you're like walking a little bit faster slowing it down walking a little bit faster adding some of that interval training that's a great way to add into that um also doing some strength training but this is going to be that endurance training where we're just moving through the motions of the squats and maybe we can add just a little bit of weights. When I mean a little bit of weight, sometimes I'm like, grab some soup cans, you know, add from there. Right. And just moving through that motion and really making sure our mobility is good. And we're going through as much motion as possible. This is all part of recovery to get ourselves ready to be functionally without pain and and ready to go and not re-injure. So kind of moving in those, you know, we're still staying and not the advanced, we're not going to the big heavy weights for the strength training yet, but we are moving into strength training. It's just going to be that endurance training so that we're getting that body ready for all those different postures. Yeah. I love it. In essence, we're kind of testing the waters out a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. acute stage, we're actually just trying to see like, is this water too hot for us to even be in? But then uh, when we reach the chronic stage, we can start to push the limits a little bit more to allow us to kind of break free because even over a span of 12 weeks, if you don't exercise in, in, in a span of 12 weeks, you're going to lose a lot of strength. You're going to lose a lot of your conditioning. Uh, it might actually make you feel worse because your body, the human body, craves movement. And if you aren't mm-hmm. moving for 12 weeks, the body's going to feel stiff to be in with. So um, from there, being able to just extend a little bit, you can increase the intensity a little bit, just like Kimberly said. And when you reach the chronic stage, listeners, again, the tissues that are that need to be healed are most likely the majority of them should be healed. But also, not only are we experiencing tissue healing 
and uh, the injury itself, but also what we call uh, central sensitization, how your brain actually perceives a lot of these signals actually get sent to your body. If you're Mm -hmm. living in pain for 12 weeks or more, your brain is in the habit of experiencing pain whenever it gets an electrical signal from that area. And as long as you ruled out that what you're doing is actually truly not causing any sort of damage, you do have an opportunity to push these limits and see how far you can increase your threshold of movement or intensity. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to be able to get a lot of really cool, we call this uh, cortical remodeling, central sensitization. We're actually retraining your brain. And this is actually tapping into more of the central nervous system, the neurological aspects. And it could be very, it could be very scary because the brain is so sensitive. You could feel great one day. And then you can do a little bit too much exercise, a little too much work, and you can feel terrible the next day. Does that mean that you actually, in fact, damaged yourself? Um, Not necessarily, not always, could be. Um, But if it's slowly increasing your capacity to do something, is uh, it's it's really beneficial. Um, Kimberly, if you mind me ask, like when you're when you're working with people and it's like, okay, now it's time to increase, is there kind of like a general number or range or percentage that you recommend people increase their activity um, if they're feeling okay? No, because it depends kind of where they're at. So um, if you haven't done weight, maybe we're going to add weight and stay at the same rep. If you've had, you know, or maybe um, we're going to increase how many reps we're pushing the limit of something. So I don't care if it's pushing the limits of reps. I don't care if it's pushing the limits of time. I don't care if it's pushing the limits of um, how much we're adding in there, right? Anything that's adding to it, that's what we're doing, right? So we're getting our body ready to function fully and we need to push that. And it can be pushed in a lot of different ways. And sometimes um, it, it depends too, like, like, oh, I don't have a lot of time. I'd rather add a little bit extra weight and do fewer reps and push it that way. You know, so there's different avenues or I'm pushing how fast I'm walking or I'm pushing um, the length of time I'm walking or now I'm adding in a little bit of a jog a couple of minutes. Anything that's increasing that intensity is what we want to build on. And we keep building into that as much as we can back to that functional level that we were at. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you said there's many different factors of how we can push the limit. We have the reps, we have intensity, which is the weight, um, time. So being able to just like do it for a longer period of time and also, um, the speed, um, I usually recommend, uh, we'll say like a 15% increase in any one of these domains. Um, Mm -hmm. if you do a 15% increase in both rep and intensity, you're looking at a 30% increase in in intensity (laughs) to begin with. So, um, I usually cap it off at that. And I got that number from, uh, it was like a running volume. And I thought that this would be a great way to be applied. So really good things to consider. Um, all right. So let's talk about the last stage now. Um, we don't have that much time, but let's talk about the last stage. People are out of pain. They're like, okay, I don't want to get this again. What are what are a couple of things to consider? So then that way they can they can live free from the fear of getting hurt again. Like how can they feel confident with their exercise program? This is where we get into like the a lot more of that um, functional fitness. Now that doesn't mean you have to go to CrossFit to be functionally fit, right? It, it just means that a lot of the movements that you're going to work through are going to be functionally 
looking at so that we can really translate it into what we're doing everyday life. So this is where I do. I enjoy like building up onto some of that heavier strength. Okay. So as, if once we get better, we start adding in some heavier weights to really strengthen those muscles to make sure we can have great posture and making sure we're staying real focused on great form. Strength training is very, very powerful. Adding in some of that, um, like I said, some of that HIIT training, that anaerobic, we can start adding that in um, and push that limit a little bit more so that we're we're ready to move. So our body isn't like, what the heck just happened when I ran up the stairs and I'm twisting, right? It's like, no, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing and I can respond appropriately. And then, um, and then maintaining and making sure we're still sticking with some balance. So making sure then this is where I start adding in a lot of that single leg activities too, because we're really working on tons of core when we start doing single-sided activities and we're adding that coordination and we can kind of build on all of that and then making sure we're staying mobile. So pushing all those elements more and more, but really picking some activities, you know, those squats, the deadlifts, those are all important. Really working on some of those things that you go, I'm going to functionally use this and I need to make sure my back knows what it's doing. And the more I can get in that, I'm going to be able to tackle whatever comes my way. Yes. So now we're at a point where you have a little bit more play. You have the opportunity to try things out and see what you're capable of. And so a great opportunity to do things that you to, to break the, the routine of what you did leading up to your injury in the first place. You might have been missing something in your daily activity. It could have been balance. It could have been strength. And so looking at your recovery, when you're out of the cycle of pain and you're like, OK, well, what are the next steps for me? Try to look back and say, what was missing in my daily routine that I can start implementing now so this doesn't come back? And the really cool thing is that you don't have to do this alone. You can absolutely do it alone. And we've talked about some guidelines and things to consider when you're at each stage, but you don't have to go through this recovery and getting back into exercise by yourself. There's people like Kimberly uh, who exists and myself who exists who are actively here to help you. And so... With that being said, Kimberly, let's talk about, about <laughs> you. How can people get in touch? What are some ways that people can work with you? So I have a YouTube channel called Kimberly Joy Fitness, and it is a place where I do five days a week. I have um, exercise videos, and a lot of them I show in a lot of modifications. So like I might be doing a push-up on um, my toes, but I'm showing you also you can do it on your knees or you can even do it on the wall, right? Or I'm squatting. I'm squatting lower than you are maybe, but I always talk about the different ranges, that type of thing. And um, I have some beginner series and I have more advanced series so that, you know, you can be at different levels. I also have um, Instagram, Kimberly Joy Fitness, and there's links there to to work with me personally if you want for coaching, for fitness. And um, like I said, I do nutrition coaching and just general habits just to get healthy and so forth. But all of that, my channel really is targeted to say you don't have to get to the gym. If you're intimidated or you don't have time, don't let that be the roadblock to your journey in fitness. Make sure you take, you know, any advantage you can. There's there's great value to that. Thank you, Kimberly, for your time today. Uh, listeners, all of her contact information will actually be found in the show notes. So if you didn't get that, uh, Kimberly Joy Fitness, she has her YouTube and a bunch of other ways. I'm going to put that in. Kimberly, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I learned a lot. I love talking with you and I'm excited for what the future is going to hold for, for you. Thank you again for inviting me. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.